Behind home plate, we bringing it to him all day. All day. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Birdland. Win or lose, we bringing it to you always. Always. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Orange or black, we rebuild the pack. No matter where we at, you know we coming back. Section 336, we on this, so tune in. Tune in. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Birdland. You know what's up? from Section 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Soroka. Hey, Matt. How's your day going? Good, good. Can't complain. Yeah, me either. Not too bad down here. Um. I, hey, Josh, a belated happy yeah. birthday to to you. Um, Thank with you. age, which age grows wisdom? Yeah. Hey, I think. Uh, Did you have a good birthday? I think yesterday was the first time that you've ever texted me on my birthday. Yeah. Well, to be honest, let's get it all out there. I forgot to text Laura last week, and I didn't text Bert. So there was three birthdays on a row. You were the only one I got. So. Okay. So it takes it takes a huge sports star dying to get your attention. Yeah. It's uh, true. That's what it takes. Because then, then I went on social media, and they reminded me it was your birthday. Right. I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, Bert, you know, Bert did the classic. So I texted. I remembered to text Bert on his birthday. Bert's birthday is on Saturday, the day before yeah. mine. And uh, I, always, I didn't forget to text Bert. I was never intended right. to text Bert. Well, okay. I, I always have to remind Laura that my birthday is the day before Bert or day after Bert's. As she told me on Christmas, can you believe Bert's going to turn 40 next month? Hey, yeah, yeah, he's not the only one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, But uh, so what I did is I texted Bert on Saturday for his birthday, and I said, hey, happy birthday. And his response was like, thanks, you too. And I realized the you too got him out of texting me on Sunday. Ah, well played, Bert. Well played. That's a classic Bert. Exactly. Classic Bert. So, and you can't really judge him because you're a guy who celebrates Christmas a month early. So you're not going to knock him for a, a birthday wish a day early. Right, right. I can't I can't say anything because he got it in with the U2. Yeah. So um, That counts. Yeah. Technicality, I, but it counts. Yeah. I only had uh, – now, you, you, normally I expect that you're the one family member I don't hear from for my birthday. Oh, was it someone else who didn't text you? This year it was someone else. Uh, I'll tell mom and dad. Who was mm-hmm. it? Uh, Robin. It, it was Robin. Yeah. So she's I'm on that Hawaiian time. Yeah. Uh, and I gave her Hawaiian time. That's like an eight hour difference. So I said, I'll give her through Monday. But here we are at 8 p.m. on Monday. No word from her. So uh, we'll see if Robin ever reaches out. I know Robin reached out for her birthday. Mm. I'm suffering right now from a lot of uh, guilt related to birthday wishes. My Why? friend Rob just had a birthday this past week. And he texted me on his on my birthday, or he Facebook messaged me, like a Facebook message thing. And I never, I I never messaged response, like to say thank you. And now when it was his birthday, I was going to message him, but I was like, shoot, I never said thank you when he messaged me. So now I don't want to complicate things. So I never wished him a happy birthday. And now I just, you know, it's just, it gets complicated. So I think Facebook is the worst thing in the world for birthdays. Well, not a wall post. This was a message. Okay, um, all right, that's better. A wall posts, I think, are lame for thank you to, you. Who, to the people who 
did a wall post on my Facebook. I hit you up on that wall post, too. Yeah, what I do for the wall post is I hit the little like button to make you know I got it. But I'm not going to go in and say thank you to every birthday. I'll just hit the little like. Yeah. But I think I'm not the only person getting tired of the wall posts because the wall posts have gone down in numbers. That or I don't have as many friends as I used to. One no, or the I, other. So no, I, I only like, comment on wall post birthdays when I'm trying to be ironic. Uh-huh. Not, I never would seriously comment on one. Right. Do you like HBD? Yeah, that's, that's my move. HBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you take the wall post and you make it even lazier. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't like the Facebook wall posts. But uh, but yeah. So my birthday was yesterday. We celebrated it by trying to buy a house. Mm. We went and uh, met with the builder and everything, and they just didn't have the paperwork ready. So they said they'd have it ready on Monday, and it's not ready today. So I'm a little. This little, is a good a good sign for things to come. Exactly. I'm a little annoyed with a builder right now, and uh, if we don't hear in the next couple of days, we will keep looking. Yeah. So I haven't shared about it yet because it's been so irritating. Uh, I've never heard dealer. a good builder story. I feel like every builder story I hear is negative. I know, I know, it sucks. But I work with up? I work with a bunch of builders, so I was oh, like, yeah, I can one of you. I can speak their language. I can get in with them, and I'm not too concerned about the building right now. I'm dealing with corporate, and corporate is where the holdup is. Corporate's the worst because I'm trying to get a deal, and corporate's causing issues. Yeah, to get me a little hookup. So uh, big bad corporate. Right, right. It's always big business. I like the guys local. I like the, the all those guys. It's it's corporate. That's the issue. Yeah, those fat cats. Right, yeah. right. So maybe once the paperwork signed and they give me the price tag I want, maybe I'll share with you about the house and stuff. Because it will be nice one day to get out of this closet that I have been podcasting in for six, seven months. You know, I I kind of like the seeing the uh, the shelves in the background. Uh, what I expect to see yeah. towels in there or something, well, but whatever. No, we don't use the closet. There are no clothes right now in this closet. Because where are your clothes? In uh, in a dresser in my bedroom. What about like your dress shirts? <laughs> I don't have any dress shirts. Okay, I fine. got polos, but they're like the uh, they're the like the golf. What's that material that doesn't free. wrinkle? So I can just throw yeah. them in the thing. So that uh, that's what I wear. Um, but. The problem with this closet, and I don't know if I've explained this to you before, is there's no airflow in this closet. There's no vent or anything in here. So I have a fan mm. in here, and besides that, it gets really warm. Mm. So it's it's also attached to the bathroom, which causes an issue. Mm. So um, I am excited to get out of this closet this summer and into a real uh, office for the, for the future podcasts. Right now, yeah. if you came down to visit... There is no room for you to podcast with me. I and can't fit in that closet that's with you? That's an issue. Uh, it would be tight. You and I in this closet, it would be tight, and we'd have to be down to our underwear because of the heat. Well, I said it before. I mean, it's like it when again, we podcast with Bert, but. Yeah, yeah. I said it before. I said it again. It's still bigger than the press box podcast, uh, ra- yes. ra- ra- radio room. Yes. It's still bigger than theirs. The, yeah. the press box, uh, Glenn Clark Radio uh, broom closet. Power plant live or whatever the sponsor is for that. Yeah. 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 Not power plant. Hollywood casino. What's the one downtown? Not no, the one in Arundel mills horseshoe. Is it a horseshoe? I thought there was one in Arundel mills. Oh, maybe it's Arundel mills. I don't What's know. That one called? It doesn't What's matter. That? Cause none of them that sponsor casino. us. Maryland live casino. Oh yeah. You're right. It is the Maryland live studio at press box. And it's about the size of a blackjack table. Yeah. All right, let's get to some 
Orioles talk. <laughs> you want to get to some sports talk? Yeah, there's a good bit to talk about here. All right, let's break down the Pro Bowl because that was in my neck of the woods. Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't realize the Pro Bowl was on until I got a text from, I guess, you maybe about Kobe Bryant. And then I immediately turned on ESPN. And that's when I realized the Pro Bowl was on. Okay. And then they cut away from the Pro Bowl to do some ABC special news to talk about Kobe Bryant. Yeah, because Kobe's um, way more important than the Pro Bowl. Uh, everything's way more important than the Pro Bowl. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, think, the, I think the dodgeball on like Friday night was more important than the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Or Saturday, we, whenever they did that. We, we can touch on the Kobe thing. It's just it's too depressing. I really, I really don't want to talk about it. I mean, there's I, not much to say about it. I thought about and I, I, I was going to tweet about it even, but then it just felt, it feels so, I don't know, like when it, 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 you, you, get, you can't capture it in words and it just felt like, I don't know, well, it was, it, it's significant to even, even tweet about it. But it was, I mean, and I grew up here on, on the East Coast. Now, given I was a fan of the NBA and the Wizards sucked always, they had a couple of good years, you know, back in the Juwan Howard, Chris, Chris Webber days. But for the most part, if you grew up on the East Coast, even there was really no one to root for. So me and a lot of people, right, who my my age in high school, and middle school, high school, and college, like we liked and followed Kobe Bryant because he was the biggest star in the NBA. And so I can't even imagine. Like I was a huge Kobe Bryant fan, and his death hit me. I can't imagine what it's doing to the people in Los Angeles, um, people in that area. It's just uh, it's devastating. Yeah, he was the type of star. He was your first like high school kid straight to the NBA. And he's the type of guy that it doesn't matter if you were an NBA fan or not. He transcended like all sports. He was just so cool. Right. We 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 would all when you play pickup games, like it would always you take the ball in the wing, then you turn around and back down your opponent and do a fadeaway. It was like I mean, it was like the the Kobe Bryant move, and that's why like everybody wanted to be Kobe well, Bryant. It's what you would shout Kobe you would, as you shoot it, right? You shot yeah. Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and the fact that he's only he was only forty one years old is crazy. Yeah. Um. It it's was, unbelievable because we, because I'm okay with death. I have nothing against death. I'm accepting of death. I understand everyone's going to die, and I'm cool with it. But like we, we, we have dad uh, come on the show when old Oriole players die that we didn't get to see, and that's kind of how it's supposed to be, right? Like we didn't see these players because they're so old that they die, you know, in their 80s and 90s, and so we bring dad on who got to watch him when he was a young right. kid. But it's not. It's not okay that, <laughs> that that someone died who who we watched when we were, you know, in high school and college. Um, that's way too young, and that's what part of what makes it tragic. The other part, obviously, is the other people in the helicopter. Yeah, and just the style of uh, the the style of death, and just yeah, to see that he is he was young, and that he went down like like I don't even like to think about like. Being in that helicopter and him knowing, all right, we're gonna die, and I can't do anything to protect my daughter. It's, yeah. it's a crazy, depressing thought. Yeah, um, it's that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not much worse, right? Like on this world, there's not much worse things to to imagine no. than going down with your daughter. And, and I don't even think, I don't even think there's anything we can really compare it to as far as losing a a sports star in. Baltimore, because we've never had a guy like that that transcends generations, transcends sports. Uh, yeah, some people are making the comparison. This is a little before us, but the Len Bias um, comparison. A little bit. But even that, that was, uh, 
he was a four-year whatever player at Maryland. And bef- and that was before. And that was like that one stung because it was you never got to see him. Right. It was all peak. the potential. It's all the yeah. potential. Where Kobe surpassed that potential. He scored 60 points on his last game. I mean, he was all that. And, yeah. And then it's like – We've seen him like just the fact that the he's been in the limelight recently, not for himself, but for his daughter and taking his daughter to games and even like seeing all the young players who have came out who said, oh, well, I just texted with Kobe the week before or the day before. Like it wasn't about him. And I think that's so weird to us in this celebrity sports culture where it's so easy to make it about yourself where he kind of retired from basketball and stepped away from basketball until his kids were interested. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't see him on every freaking talk show that there was. And, right. Um, and Kobe Bryant was by no means a, a perfect person, but I'll tell you what, he, he inspired a lot of people, athletes, and you saw yeah. athletes come right out of the woodwork saying his, his work ethic, the way he approached the game, like all of that was inspiring um, no matter what sport you played. And not to mention just his off the field stuff is just he's one of the nicest people. He's I think I read I read like over two hundred Make a Wish kids he helped in his career and spent time with in his career and like made their wishes come true, which you, you don't even see that stuff. It's all stuff yeah. he he did behind the scenes. So yeah, even heard a recent interview talking about the helicopter, and I saw it's going around on Twitter. The reason he got the helicopter was. He wanted to dedicate, you know, to be at the Lakers practice, but also be back in time to pick up his kids from school. And that was the only way in L.A. traffic to be able to do both is to practice during the afternoon and then be there, take the 15 minute helicopter ride to be there to pick up his his kids from school. Um, and so, I don't know, it's just it's it's tragic on a, on a lot of levels. And it was man, it's yeah. it, it was a blow. Yep. Yep. It, um, really good tributes from people all over Twitter and all over like the games that were happening yesterday uh, and all that. So all good and definitely everyone's given him their respects. Yeah, the I, never, Grammys, I, everything. I never saw this before, but there was a tweet saying that the Lakers and Clippers game has been canceled for tonight, just right before we came on. And I read the comments and every single, there's like, a, you know, hundreds of comments. I was just scrolling through real quick. I didn't see a single negative comment. They were all like respect, W, good. Like they were all uh, all positive comments about canceling. There's a lot of there's a lot of trashy people out there that want to bring up the mistakes Kobe made when he was young. Yeah, and that's and I think like hey, and we, that's, you know that's, that's fair. Haters. And and some of that is fair, right? Because that's yeah. that's part of who he is, right? No one is perfect, and when you, someone passes away, like you respect them. And, and you talk about their their legacy, and um, legacies are complicated, right? Like right. no man is perfect, and so I think it's fair game to to mention that. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it's I don't know I, I think, me. That's not my focus, and that's my dwell. Because even when he played, like I was aware of that, but right. that was not my focus as a fan. Um, but it's fair to to mention that. I think. Well, and I think with with the mistake and looking how he turned his life around and refocused from that, also like makes you respect him even more. Yeah, yeah, the ability to come back from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on to some happier stuff. Yeah, like um, <laughs> Orioles prospects. Like the Orioles. Top, yeah, I, top three prospects out of 100, right? 
yeah, three yeah, prospects yeah. in the top 100? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, this depends. We're seeing all these li- lists come out. Um, so it depends what list you're looking at. Like in MLB Pipeline, which revealed theirs, um, I guess, yesterday, we had four. But in MLB um, pers- Prospectus, we had three. And in Baseball America, we had three, but not the same three because <laughs> I guess Baseball Prospectus included um, Ryan Mountcastle. And I said that they didn't include Ryan Mountcastle. I was thinking of Baseball America. Ra- B- Baseball Prospectus did include Ryan Mountcastle, but Baseball America did not include Ryan Mountcastle in the top 100, even though he's been in the top 100 the past couple of years. But Baseball Prospectus had Ryan Mountcastle, but didn't have D.L. Hall in the top 100. And Baseball America had D.L. Hall in the top 100. So depending on what list you look at, we have three or four guys. And in all the lists, Adley Rushman is our top prospect. And I think in all the lists, Grayson Rodriguez is number two. And then from there, there's a little bit of disagreement if D.L. Hall is in the top 100 and if Ryan Mountcastle is in the, in the top 100. Um, but that's kind of what we're looking at. And, and like, I, I don't know. I, I think people are a little bit too excited about it, to be honest. Um, if you look at baseball prospectus, I saw um, um, it was tweeted out. The top, you know, the, the baseball teams who have the top oh, um, yeah. I, yeah. prospects. There's like 15 teams that have more than us. Well, we're we're third to last. We're tied with a bunch of teams. Right, third to last. Yes. Um. um so right. so so yeah. So like we're right in the in the in the middle of the pack. Right. Like as far the Padres that have like six. Yeah, the, the Padres has seven. Seven. Uh, they right. have the, most, the Braves have six, and Dodgers six, and the Rays six. Right. Um. Then the Marlins, and, and then, then a like whole bunch a, of teams a, have four. Yeah, a dozen teams have four. Yeah, and then we have three. Three with a right. So that's yeah. that's kind of like for all this talk of rebuilding the farm system, that's not something to get you excited for. Right. So it's like and I feel like people are so pumped about it. But like, I guess like it's good for us. <laughs> I mean, it's good for us, but it's not in the in the grand scheme of things like this is not where we need to be. Like, right. We, we don't need to be 15th in prospects. Like, We, we want to be. One of, the, one of the top teams in, in baseball. We're not there yet. Right. Well, so we, slow your ball peeps. I mean, you know what will get me excited is next year if that number is suddenly six. Yeah. Because and I think we'll draft someone, so that'll throw another one in there. And if we, yeah. we need guys to progress from that top 200 into that top 100. Yeah, like Grayson Rodriguez was, was not in any of those lists last year, and then he kind of jumped in that list. I, I think, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I. I, I I think it's it's one of those things where it's it's if you if you're excited like me like I'm excited about guys like Austin Hayes I'm excited about using you know, Diaz I'm excited about a young uh, Hunter Harvey none of those guys are on the prospect right. list but they're I mean Hunter Harvey I think because of NBA time but the other two because they're just just outside the top 100 but I still think like they're a top 100 talent and Diaz and Hayes in prior years have been the top 100. So they're top 100 talent. So I think it's not the three prospects in the top 100, even four, if you want to look at that one list, MLB Pipeline. That doesn't really have me excited. But I think all the guys who are just underneath that, I don't know if you've had, I don't know, if you want to do it like uh, to the hundred top 150 players, I bet we have a few guys in the top 150 players. So I think that gets me excited. But again, I don't, I mean, I don't think, I, the way I hear people talking about our prospects 
talking like we're one of the best, you know, have one of the best farm systems in baseball. We're not, we're not quite there yet, people. Uh, yes. Also, we've got a bunch of guys that I'm like, look at them and like, don't know how they go from prospect to fitting on this major league roster. We talked with Mount Castle last week about how there was talk the Orioles might move him to second base. Now there's talk that he might get some play in like right or left field. Or, or second base too, yeah. Yeah, last week we talked second base. Now I read an article about how they're, they're going to push him into right field, which is weird because Mancini's in right field. And then you mentioned Diaz. I don't, I don't know how Diaz fits in to this outfield when you've got Hayes and Santander out there as well and Mancini. Um, I don't know. And, and DH, you have Ruiz who showed he couldn't play defense next year. So none of these guys fit in for this coming season. Like, I don't know how you balance all this. Yeah. I mean, I think Rio Ruiz and Renato Nunez, I think you need to find out what you have there. Like Rio Ruiz, Ruiz, um, can he be an everyday third baseman? No. Renato Nunez, a, can Renato Nunez be good enough defensively at third base? Maybe. I, those two guys, do you have a third baseman between the two of them? Right. Because Renato Nunez seems to be the better hitter of the two, but I don't know if Nunez is good enough defensively to hold a third base. And when you have, like you said, so many people at these DH first base positions, right. you can't just put Renato Nunez in there. He's like at the bottom of that list. So, dude, you got to find another position that, that, that you can play. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's that's what I want to. What'll get me excited is when I can take my field and have a prospect or a player that excites me for the future at each position. And right now, third and second and short, I think are big gap and holes where I'm like, I don't see a future there. Yeah, I see a lot of pitchers I'm excited about. I see a whole lot of outfielders. Obviously, we got Adley for catching. We've got a combination of Mancini, Mountcastle, guys that can play first base. But what about this left side of the infield? I don't know. Yeah, people have mentioned Ryland Bannon as being the guy that they, that they like. I think he's a fine player. He doesn't strike me as your everyday third baseman in the future. But he's he's someone to watch this year. Ryan Ryan ba- 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 Bannon. He's he's a prospect, and so he's he's someone to watch. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. That's like we don't know if Richie Martin if his bat will hold up to be an everyday shortstop. Certainly did not look like it last year. Right. Though defensively, Richie Martin's there, so that's a question mark. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Martin's obviously going to be a Triple A guy this year now that he's lost his Rule Five status, and we'll have to see if the coaches can work with him and get him there. Um, but I don't know when there's rumors that bringing in Tim Beckham, it shows you where you are on that side of the field. Yeah, and I, I don't think MLB Pipeline has not released yet. It should some t- One day this week, they're going to release the top 30 for each team. I don't think they've released that yet. But I'd be curious, like, is Adam Hall, I'm sorry, dealing with stuttering Matt Sirka, Adam Hall, I think, is our best prospect at shortstop. And Adam Hall is not going to be in our top five prospects right i don't know if we'll be somewhere down like 15 or something but all our top prospects as you said are in those positions you named outfield pitching and then of course adley and mountcastle right Um, yep i mean yeah i just pulled up prospects live so definitely a different website but even them 
they're they list the top thirty, and they have Adley, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, all pitchers catchers. Then they got Ryan Mountcastle, who knows where he plays. Austin Hayes, probably our center fielder of the future. Creamer, Bomb, uh, Bowman, Gunner. Oh, what about Gunder Henderson? They had listed yeah. him as a shortstop. So that was our second pick in the draft last year. Right, I forgot about Gunner. He's a guy to watch. Yes, yeah. still far away though. He's right. Not- yeah. Yeah. But again, it's okay if it's far away. Just give me a guy to be excited about at each position and, and yeah. guys that I need to watch. Uh, let's, as it continues, Diaz in the outfield. Do you think Diaz will get a chance this year to break with the team? I mean, he's one of these guys that, and we, we, we talked about him. It must have been two spring trains ago. Yes. Um, as being just someone who, man, the guy looks like a ball player, right? Big arms. Yep. Good swing can hit the ball a mile long, and it looks like a pretty, he's got a pretty sweet stroke. Like he looks like a ball player, um, but then he's been dealing with injuries and other things that have kind of curtailed his 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 career and and, and knocked him out of the top um, 100 prospects. But he's a guy who I think played last year um, with some injuries, but played last year at Bowie the entire year. I'd be curious to see if they start him at Bowie or at AAA. Um, kind of hoping AAA so he can get that juiced baseball at AAA again. Um, but but I'm curious to see if he starts at AA or AAA. He's a guy that um, I would be shocked if he made the team right out of spring training. But he's a guy certainly to watch. If he gets off to a hot start in the minors and some guys in the majors are struggling, um, he's a guy that could be you know a right. May, June, certainly September call-up. But even if things go right, I think it could be a May or June guy. Um, but if it doesn't break like that, certainly he'll be a September call-up if he can stay healthy. Right, because he was the big name from the Manny Machado trade. Yes. That was yes. the guy who we said, if none of this works out, that guy will. He was the one top 100 prospect in that trade. So he was the headline of the Manny Machado deal. Right. And so I think that's another reason why you really want to see it work out with you, you as an LDS. Right, because he's really dropped in those charts because of the injuries. Yes, but still has all the ability to be to be great. All right, the list continues. Keegan Aiken, Zach Lothar. Then you got Adam Hall, another shortstop. Yeah, that was the one I mentioned. Hunter Harvey, Kyle Stowers, another outfielder. Ryan McKenna, outfielder. Ilio Prada, an outfielder. Drew Rome, Cody Sedlock, Alex Wells, Bruce Zimmerman, Blaine Knight, Kyle Bradish, all pitchers. Ryan Bannon is... uh, Yeah, someone we just talked about. Could be a third base third base. Yeah, Gray Fenter, pitcher. Uh, Daryl Hernandez, shortstop. Rodriguez, pitcher. Zach Peak, pitcher. Carmana, second base. Sparks, outfield. And Caden Grenier, shortstop. Yeah, he's a guy we recently drafted too. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. It's nice to see no first basemans on that list. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see a lot of newly drafted guys, right? A lot of new names on there. Um, so I think that that's good to see as well. Yeah. I, th- I also think one of the reasons why people are, are hyping about our farm system, even though there's really nothing to hype about, like outside of Baltimore, no one's talking about what a deep farm system we have, just kind of conversation we're having in Baltimore. I think part of the reason is like, we haven't followed the minor league system that much kind of as a fan base. Um, but now since our major league team is so crappy and we know the only hope is in the farm system. And we know about Michael Elias's 
kind of dedication to improving the talent in the farm system, all of a sudden, I think more now than any time I can recall, we're paying attention to what's going on in the minors. Oh, totally. And there's a, and there's excitement there because all those guys I listed off, the oldest one is like 23 years old. I mean, Adley Rushman is 21, and he's one of the older ones. Gunnar Henderson is 18 years old. Right. That's the, what we need is young guys who – 21-22, hit this team and ready to make an impact. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's also – there's also like a lot that can go wrong with an 18-year-old guy or 19-year-old guy. So it's um, – that's why they're oh, – A way to bring in the negative. Well, Josh, but, I'm an Orioles fan, and I've seen a lot of people in the top 30 list who've never turned into good major league players. So, 100%. Um, so even even the, the top guys, right? Our top guy um, – I think Adley Rushman is ranked four overall. I think the last guy we had, I don't know, what was Manny Machado? He must have been up there. I know Dylan Bundy was number two at one point right. in the prospect list. And, you know, that never turned out to what we thought. Um, but, you know, th- those things aren't guarantees. We've already st- saw it with Austin Hayes, who was in the 100 a cup, top 100 a couple years ago, and then just has not been able to stay healthy. So injuries happen all the time. And so I'm not, I don't know, I'd rather... I'd rather have a good major league team than, than a good farm system, but certainly it looks like the Orioles are going about it the right way, and our farm system has certainly improved since Mike Elias has gotten here. So all of that is good news, and hopefully this year maybe something will work out with Cobb or someone else where we can make another trade. Um, I saw Rakubaku in his article about using El Diaz Mentioned just in passing, he said, here's a quote from Rakubako. I almost fall out of my chair. He said, um, meanwhile, this is a quote from Rakubako. Meanwhile, a hot start from Davis could make him a more viable candidate to be traded with two-plus years remaining on his franchise record contract. That's going to have to be a, a red-hot start. I wanted to talk about Chris Davis because there was some Chris Davis news since we talked last week. And I saw you jumped on it because you saw it on Twitter. I saw and read the same exact thing. And uh, you want to break down how the Chris Davis news went last week? Well, here, here's what, and I, and I don't want to say I broke all the news, but here's, here's what I saw. You were pointing, you just took two, two different news stories and you kind of compared and contrasted them. Yeah, they were news, I mean, they were podcasts. And I was I listened to Orioles okay. podcast. Yes. It's what I do. And I listened to it in this order. I listened to the Hot Stove show and okay. they had an interview with Chris Davis. And then I listened to right after it. All right, so Hot listened, Stove is 1057. Yeah. And I, right after that I listened to um Locked on Orioles. Yeah. And they and they had John Mioli on and and it was half the interview was about Chris Davis. Oh, that's interesting. But they said two completely different th- things. So John Mioli on Locked on Orioles said how, you know, this is going to be a key year for Chris Davis because Mike Elias and the front office, you know, they've been here, they're able, they've established, they have a plan for Chris Davis, and it's going to be up to Chris Davis to follow the plan that the front office has put in place. Right, right. Now, now, okay, Locked on Orioles is a unofficial podcast. John Mioli works, writes for The Sun. So right. no, covers the Orioles, covers the Orioles the but no one, no in-house versus Hot Stove, which is produced by Masson, put yeah. out on 105.7. That's the official. Right. So, so John Mioli says, you know, this is going to be key season because Chris Davis is going to be on a program put, put there by the front office. That sounds then, right. I like I, That makes sense. Then Jim Hunter 
then <laughs> then I turn on the hot stove show, right? And this is uh, you know the the Jim Hunter interviewing Chris Davis. And the first question here, I'll even I have the quote. Here's here's the question that Jim Hunter asks him. Jim Hunter says, when the season ended, this is the first question he asked Chris Davis. When the season ended, Elias, uh, Mike Elias and Brendan Hyde told the media that you were going to go home with a special program to try to get that stroke more consistent. Can you explain to us what you are doing and is it dramatically different from what you've done in off seasons in the past? So that's what Jim Hunter asks Chris Davis. All right. Like, listen. Elias and Hyde said you're going to be in a yeah. program to improve your swing. How are they fixing How's that though? going? Yep. <laughs> and and so is is your offseason any different than past offseason? And Chris Davis says this, and I again, I almost like fall off my chair. Chris Davis said, is his offseason different? Chris Davis said, actually, it's not. And then he wanted to talk about, he said, you know what? I'm, I'm 34 years old or I'm about to turn 34 years old. You know, I, I've, I've had things, I've had success in the past doing things that I'm more comfortable with, doing things I'm more familiar with. So I have a good idea, and this is me paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close. He says, I have a good idea of what I need to do to get better. So I'm not listening to the front office. I'm kind of on my own plan. <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable? No, it sounds exactly it's, – it's exactly what – This is like it's, the Scott Kubal the story all over again. It's Scott Kubal. It's like the reason that they like shut down all these like uh, fan fasten interviews is because of stupid stuff like this where we had this before where Scott Kubal said like he's working with Chris Davis and Chris Davis is like, no, no one's worked no, with me. I haven't seen Scott, Scott Kubal since the last days of uh, whatever, last game. Uh he, now, he did then go in to talk about how he's working on putting on bulk and bringing strength back, which, yeah. which means he's not trying to have a better eye for the ball. He's just trying to hit more balls over the fence and go back to that all-or-nothing swing. Well, it shows how clueless he is because his response is, is to, to the reason that he's not hitting as well as he used to is because he lost muscle. And so his response is getting more muscle. Dude, uh, Getting muscles is not going to stop you from staring at an 0-2 pitch right down the middle of the plate. All right. All right. All right. Two sides. Yes, it's ridiculous that, like, Michael Elias isn't involved in this or whoever it is. Where Since Michael Elias came in, the question has always been, how are you going to fix Davis? And by the way, the arrogance of Michael Elias, he thought he could fix Chris Davis. Yes. Ha! He's met his match in Chris Davis. Right. Chris Davis so, says, no, thank you. You take all you and your magic and stick it. Right. So the... The the logic of that is irritating and frustrating. All right, but now let me listen stubborn. to Davis. Stubborn, Josh. It's stubborn. stubborn. Yeah. But now let me let. All right, so let me set that aside and think about Davis's response. He thinks that the way he can improve his game is more muscle to hit the ball harder. Okay, I give. How about this? How about I'll buy that a little bit because if he can make contact with these new juiced balls, then maybe he can hit more out then hitting into the shift. If they don't go out of the stadium, he hits into the shift all the time. So his plan to beat the shift, and he's told us this in the past, we had him right here on 336 where he said he is paid to hit the long ball. Yes. So his plan to beat the shift is to hit the ball harder. So that's his bulk side. Now, yes. the biggest thing that irritates us about Chris Davis is staring down strike three. And he did go on to talk about that. Why? I feel like I'm defending Chris Davis. I'm trying to just show both sides. 
he did go on to talk about that, about being more aggressive and how he's not going to take as many pitches, which goes all the way back to the old Oriole way. When we sat in Bowie and talked with DJ Stewart and they said, well, the Orioles say I'm taking too many pitches. I need to swing away. It's an old school approach that worked for Chris Davis back in the day. So he's going to go back to it. And it, it, Kind of reminds me of Mark Trumbo when he got so irritated about launch angles and saying, that doesn't work for me. I can't do it. I'm going back. And how'd that work out for Mark Trumbo? Doesn't matter. I'm saying it's this old school approach of, of I'm just going to try to go back to what used to work. The game has changed a little bit. I, I'm going to forget about all our conversation has been is Chris Davis seeing the ball right. And instead of that, Chris Davis's response is, forget seeing the ball. I'm going to swing away and swing okay. harder. Josh, how do you explain this quote by Chris Davis? You, you're your boy. And after that little rant, he's now your boy. Oh, Chris no, Davis no, 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 no. I'm not defending him. Quote. I'm trying to explain his thought process. Okay. Well, here's his thought process. And explain. Yeah, and you can d- decipher this for me. Um, Steve Molesky asked him about you know taking too, too many pitches. And he said this, quote, honestly, I try to play the game the right way. I really do. What I mean by that is there are certain things and real baseball fans will appreciate this. He said that, actually, if real real baseball fans appreciate this. Did he really? Yeah. If you're leading off an inning after you've been on defense for a while, I'm not going to go up and hack at the first pitch, even if it's a fastball right down the middle. Even if I hit a home run, yeah, that's a run on the board, but it's a quick result. And the chances are after a long inning, your pitcher is going to need a little bit of a blow. Not to mention the guys that were on defense. So he's saying if you're on defense for a while, even if you can hit a home run on the first pitch, he's not going to do it so the pitcher can have a little bit more of a rest. Your response, Josh? Make up your mind. If you're going to play baseball the right way and play by this whole guy that takes pitches so you can see more pitches from the pitcher and help out your team, if you're going to do that, you cannot also be the guy who says, I'm swinging for the fence every time I swing the bat. That's two well, different and, plays. If you're paid to hit the home runs, you swing at every any pitch. If it's down the middle, you swing. If you think it's going to be down the middle, you swing. Just guess and swing hard. You can't be both. Yeah, and like to be honest, just sitting there and taking three three called strikes is not giving anybody much of a rest anyway. Like, there's not that much of a difference. If you want to get people a rest. Hit a home run the first pitch and like jog real slow around the bases. Right. How about that? Right. That'll give your team way more of a rest and it'll also give a boost of uh, emotion and energy to your team. Yeah. Three strikes depresses everyone in the stadium. If you're taking pitches to give your defense more of a blow, I think maybe we need to, our defense needs to get in a little better shape. I mean, come on now. Yeah. You got I mean, a couple minutes between every inning. Got right. Here. Right. There's tons of breaks. And if your defense needs more time, the pitcher can stall a little bit. There was only one thing in that whole interview with Chris Davis that I agreed with and I liked. All right, what is it? He's he said he's talked to people and he wants the shift banned. And I've been oh, I agree I've, totally. I'm totally anti-shift. Chris Davis obviously the shift for his own Chris self-preservation is anti is anti-shift. I don't think it ruined his career, but it what certainly hasn't helped his career. What do you think? What ruined? What hurt Chris Davis more? Uh, better pitchers. The shift or Adderall? Losing Adderall. Which one killed his career? I don't know. I think, this I, think is the, a... I think the shift had the bigger impact. I think you, you, you think this is a, with Chris Davis, you hear about sometimes players get the yips, 
Right, like Chuck Knobloch. Yeah, he's got the shifts. Um, NBA player can't make a layup. You think Chris Davis is suffering through two years, going on three years of of of, of, of yips? Yeah, it's, it's shifts. He yeah. ever yeah. Once they figured him out, he can't. He cannot beat the shift. His now approach is put on the weight so I can hit it over the shift. That's the only. But, it, but it's not like he's the same hitter he was in 2014. Even with the shift, like they, if they were doing a shift in 2014, he would still yeah. have a great year. No, he's a different hitter. Yes, and I think what affected him is the shift, and then pitchers started to pitch around him, and then he suddenly thought, well, I can outsmart them by not swinging. What I don't understand is is the whole just learn to bunt. You will be okay. If you want to play baseball the real way, when they give you the left side of the field completely empty, you bunt down that line. That's how you play baseball the right way. As far as his, all his talk about the right way and real baseball people, real baseball people would love for Chris Davis to bunt down the third base line with no one at third base and no one at shortstop because they expect you to hit it into the shift. Mm. I don't completely agree with you there. I'm not a huge bunt guy. Um, but I think the thing that first means about Chris Davis and maybe the bunt connects to this somehow, but his unwillingness to take coaching, right? Yes. His unwillingness to listen to people because again, Chris Davis thinks he knows better than you. In terms of his, like, like maybe not given advice to others, but in terms of Chris Davis as a baseball player, right. he thinks that he, he that you can't tell him anything. And if he was batting, you know, two eighty and and hitting fifty home runs, then I would say, yeah, Chris Davis, no one can talk to you. But when you're coming off a year where he batted under two hundred, something like one seventy, and all of a sudden you're you're not going to listen to what other people have to say. Right. The arrogance of that to come off back to back sub 200 years and say, no, I'm good. I got this, guys. I, that boggles my mind. What bugs me is Baltimore wants to love Chris Davis. Like him donating all that money excited Baltimore because it was something Chris did that we could cheer for and that we could all get behind. Oh, we yes. want to get behind Chris Davis. We want to cheer for Chris Davis. He just has to give us a reason to. Chris Davis is not a villain. Everyone understands Chris Davis is like a quality, good human being. Like he's the kind of guy that you want in your neighborhood, you want in your city, as far as the type of person that you want. He's a good guy. He cares about the community. He puts his money where his mouth is. Like in those respects, like if you're going to give a guy, you know, that paycheck, Chris Davis is kind of the guy you want to have because he's going to give a lot of it back to the community, which he has throughout his career. Yep. But on the field, the guy deserves to be booed. He sucks. And he's unwilling to take coaching. Right. Um, if so Chris, don't, hate, don't hate on me when I boo him. Not opening day, but game two, booing. And don't hate. If, uh, if Chris Davis was on the program again, not sure if he'll come on after that statement you just made. He came back he on. He's not a listener. He's not a listener. Right. He's not a coconut. No, he's not a coconut. He's a strawberry. Uh, what would you ask Chris Davis? Huh. Um, <laughs> well, why, do you, why do you have think, the balls to ask him to his face or through the Why do you think you know more than all the coaches? <laughs> you want to ask that. What kind of arrogance do you have to go back-to-back seasons being the one of the worst players in the history of baseball and not accept coaching advice? The uh, arrogance. You got any advice for him? Yeah, listen to coaches. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it is very weird for him to come out so strongly, like not even pretend to be working with coaches. Yeah. Like at least he could have answered that question by just going straight to the putting on weight and trying to hit the ball yeah. harder. He could have said like, we, we, we talked it out and we came up with a program. He didn't need to say like, it was my program no. and I didn't listen to them. He could just say, we talked it out and here's my program. How irritated do you think that made Michael Elias? Oh my gosh. The whole coaching staff, right? Brandon Hyde. Right. Michael Elias, the whole coaching staff is, is rolling their eyes and good luck, uh, Chris Davis, if you struggle getting in the lineup with an attitude like that. Right. Last year, remember last year, last year, Brendan Hyde benched him. And yes, Chris Hyde almost punched his lights out. Uh, or Chris Davis almost punched yes. Brendan Hyde's lights out. Yes, that happened. Uh, but but I tell you what, it makes you wonder. This is, I think this is going to be a story to watch. Um, and I'm surprised more like Orioles reporters weren't all over this interview with Chris Davis. I, I'm not a reporter, um, I got a bunch of followers just for tweeting out quotes yeah. from the podcast. Well, just because I was shocked to hear them. But I wonder. There's, a, this there's a, a lot of there's a lot of Orioles reporters afraid that to to say much about the Orioles that isn't press releases. Yeah, you you would think if you just read the Orioles uh, articles and blogs right. that we're coming but, off a hundred season and running another hundred games. Yeah, you mentioned the Hyde Davis confrontation where basically Hyde said something to him coming off, and it makes you wonder: Did maybe Hyde said? Uh, still not listening to coaches or some yeah. comment about that. Like, But I tell you what, Josh, this story is not going to go away because you know Michael Elias and Brendan Hyde heard that interview and you know they're going to talk in spring training about things that Chris Davis should do. And Chris Davis, who is very open and honest about not doing those things, and I think Chris Davis gonna, is going to be benched because of it. And this is not going to be a good situation. This is like – I feel like this is um, – you're just waiting for this to explode, right? This is a yeah. volcano waiting to erupt in our um, in our clubhouse. And is it – I don't know. I'm surprised it's, there, there's a solution to this problem. Yeah, and, work together. Well, Chris Davis does not want to work together. Right, and that's so weird – when There's you, another solution. When, yeah, when, yes, and we'll get to that. But it's just, I don't know what it is, but like we always saw Chris Davis as a leader, clubhouse leader, and it's like, I don't know, he was a Buck guy, and he's not, like, now that Buck's gone, he's tired of it, not like, not going to deal with this crap. Well, here's what's going to be hard for me to stomach. If Ryan Mountcastle is at AAA, and Trey Mancini is playing in the outfield out of position. Also, Chris Davis. Chris Davis, I don't listen to coaches, but I get a big paycheck, so I'm playing first base and struggling. If that's happening, Ryan Mancastle being blocked by Chris Davis, Trey Mancini being blocked from his natural position by, by Chris Davis, and we still have to watch Chris Davis play, that's not going to go over well with anybody. No, and it's and that shouldn't happen, and I can't see that happening. If anything... I I could see – I would put Mancini – I would say going into this season, Mancini is your everyday first baseman. And Davis, you can play that out in right field once in a while. You can play out in right field while Mountcastle is still getting his feet under him down in AAA. But when Mountcastle's ready, we're going to bring you him up. Because we need to see if Mancini can be our everyday first baseman. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I, it doesn't make sense putting Chris Davis from right field, but putting Chris Davis an occasional 
yeah. um, first base or DH when you want to give Trey right. Mancini a rest from first and put him at DH put or back Chris pen. Davis at DH. But Chris Davis, I, I mean, he's not – he doesn't it doesn't look like he's going to be an everyday player. No, and I'm curious to see – this is the season where we can seriously have the conversation of do you just get rid of him? Yeah. I would be really surprised if this time next year he's still on the team. If if he didn't turn it completely around. If we're not yeah. amazed by by Chris Davis. And the and the only argument that you might have that you could have made to me is Michael Elias is a boy genius and Michael Elias can fix Chris Davis. And then I said, "Okay, okay, I'm curious. Yes. Let me let me see this play out cuz I'm curious of all the nerd stats in the world." Can all the Sabre uh, analytics can fix Chris Davis? But with Chris Davis coming out and saying, nah, I'm good, Mike, um, then I think his his days in Baltimore are numbered with that. I agree, especially when, as an organization, we've invested so much in Mike Elias. Like, all that money that we've invested in Chris Davis, it's a lot of money. But it's nothing compared to tearing the organization completely down to allow one man to rebuild it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is like, this is the Michael Elias show. Yeah. This is he's his team. No, Chris Davis will be a footnote at some point. And the more Chris Davis acts like this and not the Chris Davis that we love off the field, the the quicker that time's coming. Are you surprised cuz Michael Elias, I mean, he had nothing to do with Chris Davis. And if Michael Elias was at the helm, obviously Chris Davis would never have been signed to 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 that deal. Um because Michael Elias is cheap and probably wouldn't sign anyone in that deal. But are you surprised that Michael Elias hadn't said, Chris Davis, we're done here? I'm not after, surprised. After last year's I'm disaster? Not, I'm not surprised because Chris, because I do notice Michael Elias, Michael Elias has a the little bit that I know about Michael Elias right now. He has a, a Michael Elias ego where he thinks he can fix guys. And he oh, thinks, good. I'm, I'm glad I'm rubbing off on you thinks, with all my ego. Michael he thinks that, that the Michael Elias magic can bring out the best in people. It's why we haven't gotten to it. We got to, Well, last week we got about to Tim Beckham. And because Michael Elias, just like Dan Duquette, just like Buck Showalter, everyone says, well, Tim Beckham was a number one draft pick, never worked out. I can get the best out of him. This week we're talking about Andrew Kashner might come back to the Orioles. Because the Red Sox didn't know how to use him, but Mike Elias can can use him and get and him if Michael Elias, hours. If Mike Elias ends up doing with with Andrew Kashner what he did with Andrew Kashner last year, like if he signs to a one year deal, that's Mike Elias and magic. Great, and then trade that's yes. freaking Mike Mike Elias G, GM of the year. That's brilliant. Yes, that's yeah. Mike Elias magic. I don't buy into Mike Elias magic. So, oh, yeah. you don't think so? Well, I mean, I, I mean, as far as Josh, you, you, you think it's you don't buy into Mike Elias magic. You think it's a coincidence? That all our pitchers have gotten better since Michael Elias has gotten here? No, uh, but here's the problem. All those pitchers have gotten better in the minors, not in the majors. Andrew Cashner in the majors. John Means? Andrew Cashner, too, right, had, right, had you're right. better his career. You're right. All right. Dylan Bundy was, was better than normal, which okay. is not saying. Maybe there. I mean, maybe. I'm not buying in yet, but you've got me on pitching. Michael Elias has done a good job. So, yeah, I think Michael Elias has done a great job of bringing in coaches and and um, bringing bringing in the technology and rebuilding this team. Like if Michael Elias left today, he's leaving this team in much better condition 
than when he got here. I mean, right. we, we just signed, he just signed what seven international free agents the other day. Right. Yeah. That, that wouldn't happen under Dan Duquette. No, no, no. But this magic of being able to pull a polish a turd, that, that type of magic. I don't know if I buy that yet. Now, I just pulled up some of the quotes from Chris Davis that you were reading earlier, and Chris Davis did give Michael Eyes some credit when he said, we looked at a lot of video from the past, and one of the first things that Mike and Brandon said uh, was, man, you look a lot bigger when you were younger. So so he heard a little... Pa- yeah, he heard sure a little Mike and Brandon meant. He but, heard a okay. little passing comment and then decided, all right, I'm going to be bigger. Yeah, Because that confirms what I already was thinking, so yeah, I'll jump on that comment and right. ignore the rest. Well, then he probably said, you know, CeCe Sabathia is a better pitcher when he's fat. I bet Cecil Fielder, I think, was a, bit, a better hitter when he's fat, too, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'd love for Chris Davis to bounce back all aboard. I would, would. I would, We too. would love it. And, hey, if 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 – Chris Davis bounces back, and Michael Elias can flip Chris Davis this season, then I am all in on some Michael Elias magic. I will buy a Michael Elias t-shirt that they're selling out there. Yes. Do that. That would be uh, – but, yeah, that's – I think there's – despite what Rockabaco said, I think there's zero chance of that ever happening, no matter how good of a first half Chris Davis has. Speaking of t-shirts, we forgot to tell people last week that our new t-shirts are out. You got all yeah. – you got your samples in this last week. Love them. And we've got our 2023 World Series Championship up there. We've got our Caution Wet Floor shirt is still up there, getting you ready for this messy season. And uh, yeah. I think we have still, a third. We're still Caution Wet Floor mode. And then there's and then just a, a section, section through the dictionary. That's right. That's right. So yeah. they're all up Probably on uh, – yeah, yeah, grab one of them up on section336.com. And, yeah, if Michael Elias is able to trade Chris Davis, we will make a Michael Elias shirt. Yeah, Elias I'm planning magic. on going to the thing in Annapolis – and I'm going to wear my Orioles 2023 shirt. The caravan? Yeah, the caravan in Annapolis. You're you, you going to take an extra shirt to give Michael Elias? 2023? 2023? Mm-hmm. They will, so we'll see you then. Hey, what's the good thing? I was going to take um, Silas, and I was going to have him sign something. What, what's the best thing to have a kid sign nowadays? Is still just like a baseball? Who, wait, who, or who, something else cool who, do you want, who do you want to sign it? Well, the only – I forget who's going to be there. I know Trey, Trey, Trey Mancini is going to be there. And then I forget who else is going to be there. Uh, there's the one kid that's going to be at every stop. Oh, McKenna. McKenna. I think. So Trey Mancini, McKenna. But Man- Mancini is the big name. Mancini. So if I can get Mancini, I'm not super into signatures, but it might be cool for Silas. If I want to get Mancini to sign something, should I like a Deuce House's hat? Should I, should I, I think a baseball. Because a, a baseball, baseball, a baseball like, yeah, I mean, or a bat, but a bats are a pain. So a yeah. baseball is something you can easily save for years. And a, I mean, Baseball sitting on a shelf, like think of like the classic like grandparents that have like a Babe Ruth baseball that's just sat on that shelf forever. Baseballs are the classic signature yeah. thing, I think. Yeah, I think Trey Mancini and Babe Ruth are about synonymous at this uh-huh. point. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that makes um, sense. Yeah, though I, yeah, I think a lot. I'm not of, gonna do. I'm not gonna do a Burt move. I'm not gonna take a, fr- a fruit roll up or a. No, no. Go with the, go with the classic. Go with baseball. I have to get a baseball. And I do think you need to get some 2023 shirts and hand out to the guys up there. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll send you some. You can give to you can give them, give them to them. See if we can get this ball rolling. At least make hey, them laugh. Hey, can I give you uh, one other baseball story I want to touch on before we get out of here? Of course. Did you see this? And this wasn't in our show notes because it was just kind of a recent thing. I don't know if you saw this. 
Um, this is a tweet from Pedro Gomez of ESPN. He said, new for the 2020 MLB season, much like NFL referees have done for years, umpires will be mic'd up. Wait, is that tell- a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. And tell fans I love the- it. And those watching on television and listening on the radio, if reviewed calls are upheld or overturned, they may also explain the rules if necessary. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. The only thing I want more is I want them mic'd up like the NFL Network does, where it just records everything throughout the game. I want umpires mic'd up. I want coaches mic'd up. I want players mic'd up. I want you all mic'd up. Yeah, because if they're mic'd up, you get some more opportunity for those hot mic situations, like the old uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, the mics are off, but they're really on. I want some of those uh, confrontations with with managers and umpires, the mic's off, but really it's picking it all up. Well, like think of the great old Earl Weaver uh, quotes from yeah. years ago. You never hear stories anymore of what Buck is yelling at. You've got to just hope you can read lips. you got to wait for John Boy to put a tweet out exactly. about it. Yeah. Exactly. So if we can get mic'd up and get it straight from the source, I am all for that. I also heard they're going to test out, play with some robot umps at spring training. I love that too. I don't like the robot umps. I've come full circle on that. <laughs> I used I, to be pro robot umps. Now I'm anti. I want robot umps because I want consistency. You see, I got Adley Rushman, who I think is going to be one of the best pitch framingers in the game, and I want the Adley Rushman advantage. It does remove. It is interesting that it would remove pitch framing from the game yeah. altogether. If Francisco is my catcher, bring in the robot umps. Right. I, that's an interesting concept that it does. It would remove a completely part of the game. Yeah, the pitch. I mean, it, it would change. How catchers are signed to free agency, right? Because now that's a big reason, uh, thing, a big thing that yeah. teams look for. I mean, yeah. suddenly anyone can catch. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about the pitch framing aspect of that. I wonder if there's other examples of rule changes that have completely like, kind of changed the game like that. Yeah, well, there also are in talks, speaking of rule changes to complete the game, there's been a lot of talk today, too, about um, giving, getting rid of – this is, I guess, every offseason – but getting rid of the of the pitchers hitting in the NL and going to universal DH. Well, yeah, and we're, we all agree with that. Everybody wants yes. that. And it's just – it's literally going to tradition. happen. It's just when. Yeah. yeah, it's just get rid of the stupid – get rid of the stupid tradition. Yeah. Now, Which, yeah. if the Orioles were an NL team, I'd be so irritated and not want it. I'd throw a fit. Really? About it. Yeah. Because, because – I love watching NL baseball and how the pitchers manage when to pull the pitcher, when to keep the pitcher. What's worth yeah. I like that gamemanship. I like that the manager's more involved. But the DH agree position kind of, allows more players to play longer, and I, yeah. I like that. I think the, it's kind of cool in like the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, but in the second and third and fourth inning when you actually have to have the hitter up there. Right, but you can't have you know, both. It's, it's 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 dumb. It'll be interesting to see if when that change happens, if suddenly we don't see the improvement of pitchers crossing crossing leagues. You know how you know the mediocre American League pitcher that suddenly is a good pitcher in the National League because yeah. they only have to face eight batters instead of nine. Yeah, it's certainly yeah, it's certainly part. It will but make a I'm difference. all for the same rules and getting rid of this, the unfair advantage. Yep. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to touch on? I mean, the the Ravens did crush it in the Pro Bowl, so I guess good for them. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson, MVP. Mark Andrews set some record for, like, longest. Like nine catches or yeah, something. Yeah, most catches. Well, so Lamar has no favorites. We'll throw anyone yeah, named, yeah, yeah. named Andrews. Uh, I'm starting to get over the Ravens' loss. Okay. 
I am going to be okay to watch the Super Bowl next week. Okay. I'll be able to watch it. How are you doing? Um, I'm looking forward. You know what? I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I just decided. Me too. I want a – you know how we had like, a, you know, for a long time, the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, who's the best quarterback in the NFL. Yep. Um, I'm looking forward to the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes Russell rivalry for the next uh, 15 years. Yeah, I got it. So I'm kind of rooting for the Chiefs because then it's going to be the Ravens' chance next year to topple the Chiefs and then get the Super Bowl. And I also like Andy Reid. And it's I like I like, I like Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid deserves it. Terrell Suggs is on the Chiefs, which is cool. I'm not a Tyreek Hill fan, but I'm not a Hill fan. I'm a I mean Mahomes is impressive to watch. Yeah, he's, he's, he seems so, like a cool cat. Yeah, so I I am Jimmy with Garoppolo you. Jimmy Garoppolo is too cool for me. <laughs> I am with you on on the Chiefs uh, this weekend. Uh, hey, you know, I looked into Pro Bowl tickets since it's down here, and I said, "Hey, there's a buttload of Ravens down there. Maybe I'll go down there." You know how much tickets to the Pro Bowl cost? Oh, I would guess twenty bucks. I thought I thought they were free. I thought you could. There just was go. like oh, there was open seating everywhere. I thought you could just when go watched, in and watch. Yeah, I thought it was no big deal. Two hundred dollars. What? Yeah. On like stuff on like a secondhand thing, or that was that direct from the source? Uh, like I don't know. Because there was plenty of open seats, it looked like. I don't know. Is I, that just for the game, or you get a bunch of other stuff? No, it's for the game. It's for the stupid game that nobody cares about. What I'd rather go do is watch the dodgeball tournament or something. Yeah. So, I, so, I, I don't um, get it. Lamar Jackson got criticized because in the little circus event, he couldn't hit the target or something. I don't know. I love the circus events. More yeah. of that, less real games. Nobody cares about real games. And, and yeah, I saw like... Uh, was it Landry that uh, outperformed in the circus event? I don't. I didn't watch. I just saw the people. Yeah, bash I, yeah. And then I saw some highlights from dodgeball. I didn't watch anything from the Pro Bowl this week. It was, it, though it was people bashing Lamar. Same thing as always. One person said something negative about Lamar. Then two million people came out and said, "Defending you Lamar." You can't say that about Lamar Jackson. I love. I love. I'm pretty sure that half of this defending of Lamar Jackson starts without a negative comment. Yeah. And I wonder if one, if it's one pro Lamar guy who just goes on the other side in a burner account and tweets something negative just so we can jump on the guy. I'd like to. Should I just go and tweet? Um, can't wait to see Joe Flacco next year. Yeah, or you should have at the at the that circus thing. Joe Flacco would perform better at that circus right, right. event. Joe Flacco could hit that. He, he probably could do better than Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Thing. All right, let's get out of here. All right, you can uh, write us a review, leave us five stars, check us out on all those platforms. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search Section 336. Leave, leave us a review. Yeah, leave us a five-star review. Go pick up a T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Make sure you check out your Orioles 2023 or Caution Wet Floor T-shirts, both perfect T-shirts for the next three years. Since you can't buy a player jersey because you don't know who's going to be here in three years, these T-shirts will be good for the next three years. So get one of these T-shirts. And tweet at Bert Rohde. Yeah, tweet at Bert Rohde. Um you can wish him a late happy birthday. You can follow me on Twitter at section three three six. You, you can just follow fall asleep John. out there. Well, I was like, I was gonna, I was gonna say something snarky about Bert not being on the show, but I decided to, to take the high road and me just too. say tweet happy birthday. I didn't say anything negative about Bert this week. Yeah, but happy when you birthday, said Bert, when you said tweet at Bert Rody. You were not implying that people should tweet happy birthday to Bert Rody. Well, yeah. What else would I say? Well, when you when you said tweet at Bert Brody, I think what you meant was like, you know, say where you at, Bert. No, I meant happy birthday, but you could imply that if you want. 
I don't think that's what you meant. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Section336. Follow Josh. At Josh Roca. All right, boys and girls, thanks for listening. And as always, go O's. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches. Hey, guys. Have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It They take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Birdland Sports. For fans... Bye, fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.